You are listening to the Catholic Christianity Podcast with Deacon Peter Pelican. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to Catholic Christianity. My name's Deacon Peter Pelican, and if you haven't already, we'd love you to subscribe to our channels, uh, Catholic Christianity, on YouTube, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and of course, check out our website as well at catholicchristianity.org. Today, we're going to examine the question and the truth about truth, science, and God. Is it valid to say things like, well, this is true for me, but it's not true for you. It's my truth as opposed to your truth. Has science disproved God? And if there is a God, how might we know who God is? There's an increasing perception out there that science has disproved God. Uh, Famous people like Richard Dawkins have said things like, faith is the great cop-out. The great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Faith is belief in spite of perhaps even because of the lack of evidence. For Dawkins, you only have faith because you want to put the evidence aside or because you can't see the evidence in front of you. For Dawkins, faith is a cop-out. Stephen Hawking in 2010 said God did not create the universe. In 2021, in an era of modern science with all that we know about the universe, are there still reasons to believe in God? Does religion still have a place? Interestingly, when we look at the world's population, we find that around about 80% of people across the globe still have a belief in a God, a transcendent being uh, that is bigger than us. Uh, So you're looking at only about 20% of the world that don't believe or are not associated with some kind of religion. In Australia, it's about 30%, 31% that have identified in the latest census that they are of no religion. So in this podcast, we're going to look at the nature of truth. Is there such a thing as my truth? The nature of science. Can science disprove God? And if there is a God, can we know that God? Let's get straight into it. First of all, the nature of truth. What is truth? Well, the dictionary would tell us that truth is anything that's in accordance with fact or reality. Now, the question of is there such a thing as my truth or your truth depends very much on the kind of question you're asking. Let me give you a little example. I pick up my old Bible here and I ask you some questions about it. Some of these questions are subjective and some will be objective. If I say, do you like this book? Well, some of you who have read it might say, yes, I love it. Some of you who have read it might say, no, I don't. Some of you might look at it and go, well, I just like that it's sort of old and it looks a bit antique and it looks well used. And that's the kind of book I like, so I like it. Whereas others of you think, well, gee, it looks like it should be replaced. It looks old and, and worn out. I don't like it. The question of do you like this book in terms of its physical makeup, not, not its contents, is a question that's subjective. And so the truth of the question is up to you. Do you like the look of this book? Some might say yes, others might say no. So that's an example of a subjective question where the truth of the matter is subjective. It's your truth versus my truth. I like it. I think it's got character. You might not. But if I ask a different question about this book, if I say this book is made out of concrete, I would be objectively wrong. I'd be making an objective statement about this book that is incorrect. And it doesn't matter how sincerely I believe that this book is made out of concrete, I'm wrong. And I can believe it till I'm blue in the face, but I'm still wrong. 
See, when it comes to questions of objective truth rather than subjective truth, there's no such thing as my truth and your truth. There's the truth. And our job as human beings is to try and discover the truth. Try and discover what the truth is and then align ourselves to it. So rather than creating our own truth that may not be grounded in reality and therefore is not actually true, we seek to discover what actually is the truth. When I flick through this, I can see quite quickly it's made out of paper, not concrete. So if I'm interested in the truth, I'll come to the position of saying this is made out of paper, not concrete. So our challenge as human beings is to search and discover the truth. One of the challenges of religion is that Jesus makes some ob objective statements that are quite confronting. And if they are true, they have incredible importance, not just for people who believe, but for all of humanity. He says things like, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to God except through Jesus. Now that statement is an objective statement. It's not one you can sort of choose to like and agree with or not. It's either true or it's false. And if it's true, if Jesus is the way, truth and life, then the Christian faith becomes very important, not just for Christians, but for all of humanity. If it's not true and Jesus is not the way, the truth and the life, then Jesus' words are not very important for all of humanity, Christians included, because we'd be believing something that's not true. So the questions that religion attempts to answer are objective questions, not subjective questions. And so our goal when we're examining religion and we're discovering in our context the Catholic faith, the Catholic tradition, is to discover the truth and to seek the truth with all our heart. And not just to look for what we prefer, what we would like to be true, or what we would like reality to be, even if it's not the case. What we find is that the nature of truth and its objectivity means that words like my truth or true for me in relation to religion are not actually valid. So that's the nature of truth. And let's look now at can science disprove God? The best place to start in addressing this question is to look at the definition of science. What is science? According to Oxford Languages, science is the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. Now, what's really interesting about that is that science is the study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world. Now, when we talk about God, we're talking about a God who is beyond time and space, a God who is beyond the physical and natural world, and a God who, if could be measured by science, would not be God at all. And what this tells us is that the God, as, in, as understood by the Christian tradition, cannot be disproven by science because of science's own definition, its own limits. Science is the study of the physical and natural world, and God, as understood in the Christian tradition, is beyond the physical and natural world. Therefore, it is not possible for science to disprove God. God is above science and created science, but is not 
within the, the rubrics of science and, and, and is, God is not able to be studied by the instruments of science. Science is a great gift. It can help us to understand so much about the world and so much about objective truth, but it cannot measure God because it cannot measure something beyond time and space, something beyond the physical and natural world. So science by its own limit cannot discount God. What's really interesting to note here is that this is not just, you know, me who's a, a cleric theologian of sorts, uh, just trying to find reasons why science hasn't disproven God. But actually, there are some really important scientists who believed in God also. I'll give you three examples. The scientist responsible for the Big Bang Theory, which is the, uh, the, the leading theory about how the world began, was actually a Catholic priest, a Belgian priest by the name of George Lemaitre. The pioneer of modern genetics was an Augustinian monk called Grigor Mendel. And the decoder of the human genome was actually a convert from atheism to Christianity, and his name was Dr. Francis Collins. So what we find is that some of the most important, prominent scientists who have made very large discoveries actually believed in God. Science and God are very much compatible. Science pursues the truth of the natural and physical world. Religion pursues the truth of the spiritual world, the metaphysical world. The study of the natural world of science by its own limitation cannot disprove a being that is beyond the natural world. Now, before we move on to our last question about can we know God, just a little note about why the confusion. One of the reasons why people think that, re that Christian religion and science don't mix is because if you open the Bible at the very beginning and you read Genesis chapter 1 to 3, uh, you get this story about creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep while the wind from God swept over the face. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and, the God, separa and, the, and God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And it goes on to tell us six days of creation. Now, if you read that as a literal scientific explanation of how God created the world in six literal 24-hour days, you will find very quickly that it's at odds with science and with the emerging theories about the creation of the world. And then you're caught in this tension between, you know, well, the Bible says this and scientists say that, and I'm going to side with the Bible or I'm going to side with science. And what's sad about this is that a reading of scripture like this fails to understand the genre of scripture and it fails to understand the purpose of scripture. Scripture is not a scientific text. And what you find is that throughout the history of Christendom, theologians have often uh, unpacked Genesis in a way that recognized that the genre of the text is not historical narrative but it's prose, it's poetry, it's telling us something about who God is, what the universe is, the relationship between God and humanity. It's telling us these fundamental truths about original sin, about the original people on earth. But it's not giving us a, a scientific history of how God created the world. Now, if that's getting your hackles up already, let me take you back to St. Augustine, 
who were, uh, you know, in what the third century, fourth century, uh, even back then, was not reading this creation account as a literal six days. This is long before modern science. There's a, uh, a theologian and historian uh, at the Sydney University by the name of um, Dr. John Dixon, and he said, St. Augustine famously championed a sophisticated, non-literalistic reading of the text. Augustine understood the days in Genesis 1 as successive epochs or eras in which the substance of matter which God had created in an instant in the distant past was fashioned into the various forms we now recognize. Augustine's view was endorsed by some of the biggest names in the medieval church, including uh, the Venerable Bede in the 8th century, um, St. Albert the Great, and of course, Thomas Aquinas, who uh, in the Catholic tradition is a doctor of the church. So when we understand the genre of Genesis and what scripture is telling us in, in Genesis about God, about humanity, about the universe, we discover that we can read it in a way that is not at odds with science. Just a little comment on that as well. Sometimes hypotheses about the world are given to us as fact. And there's wisdom in just questioning that, okay? There's, a, there's good evidence to point us in a direction, but often we don't have enough evidence to say it concretely. And so just as some things that we know about God, we have evidence to say that we think this about God, the same is true in science, where we've got evidence that points us in this direction. We think this is the most likely of possible outcomes, of possible theories, but in some of these larger questions, particularly of ancient, ancient history, we actually don't know a great deal in, in, in the sense of being totally factually um, sure. So, let's get beyond science now and think about the human experience and whether or not science can help us understand everything about the human experience. Any human being knows that there is far more to this world than that, can, than that which can be discovered by science. Love cannot be measured by science. Now you might be quick to say, well, what about, you know, was it oxytocin levels and all that? Well, yeah, that can help me understand euphoria and stuff. Uh, but for those of us who are married, right? I'm married, I've got five children. Science cannot tell you why it is that I would choose to give up my own sleep or my own money or, my, or inconvenience myself considerably for the sake of my wife or my children. If it's just survival of the fittest, then why do I do these things? And what we find is that there's many things about the human experience that science is unable to answer. Let me give you a few examples. Think about the stars. If you've ever been in the middle of Australia, in the middle of the night, miles away from any lights, any uh, you know, street lights, city lights, and you look up in the sky, you see this incredible expanse of stars. Now science tells us about these stars, right? And it tells us that they're a ball of gas and they produce light. But the human experience of a star is so much greater than that. They're beautiful, they're wonderful. Shakespeare talks about this in Merchant of Venice. He says, sit, Jessica, look at how the floor of heaven is thick inlaid with patterns of bright gold. You see, science tells us that there's balls of gas up high, but the human experience tells us it's the floor of heaven. It's incredible beauty. Take music, for example. If you look at music through a merely scientific lens, 
Music is just vibrations. That's it, they're vibrations, right? But anyone knows who's heard a great song that music has a way of resonating with the human experience, creating emotions of love and joy and anger and aggression and peace and calm and the, the whole sort of gamut of human experience uh, can be felt through music. And again, to quote uh, Shakespeare, he says, if music be the food of love, play on. That's in Twelfth Night. So again, we see the human experience of music far surpasses what science tells us music is. Finally, if we look at a human person, you and I, in terms of our cost, well, I think we're about 85% water, we're about $1.87 or so worth of hydrogen. We're oxygen, nitrogen molecules and cells, we're mammals. Um, and any good scientist could tell you a whole lot more about humanity than I can. But the sum total of our parts is far greater than all the things that make us up. And so again, to quote, uh, to quote Shakespeare, humanity is the crown of creation. Um, Shakespeare described us as the mysterious living paradox of flesh and spirit. To quote Hamlet, what a piece of work is a person, how noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form and moving, how express and admirable. In action, how like an angel. In apprehension, how like a god. The beauty of the world. You see, the human experience tells us that there is far more to this world than that which can be measured by science. The greatest joy and human experience is usually well beyond science. And so that tells us that, of course, God cannot be refuted by science. In fact, science is a gift given to us from God, as understood in the Catholic tradition. God made the physical world and gave us the intellect to discover some aspects of how it's, it works and that discipline of study we call science. So, is there such a thing as my truth or your truth? No, there's objective truth and we've got to discover what the truth is and put ourselves on that side. Can science disprove God? No, because God is beyond the limits of science. Our third question now is if God is beyond science, is it possible to know who God is? That's a confronting question. If God is here, if God is real, can we communicate? See, in the Catholic tradition, God's self-revelation is understood in terms of supernatural and natural revelation. Natural revelation is what can be known about God by natural reason and reflection on creation. Supernatural revelation pertains to the self-revelation of God that cannot be known through human reason and would therefore be unknowable and undiscoverable if God had not revealed it. So what does all that say? Well, it says that we can have reasons for God whether or not God communicates to us at all. And we're going to examine some of those reasons in future podcasts. But also that if God wants to make himself known to us, he can do that. And that kind of revelation where God reveals himself to us is called supernatural revelation. In the Christian tradition, God is understood as omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. God is the unmoved mover, the first cause, self-sufficient and infinite. Now, I said a whole lot of theological gobbledygook right there, and you're probably thinking, what does that all mean? Well, God is everywhere. He is all-powerful. He is present to us at any time. He is the unmoved mover. He's the cause of all things. He is self-sufficient and therefore not dependent. God is infinite, whereas in contrast, we are finite, physical and spiritual beings. 
the distance between God and you and I as humans is so large that there's nothing that you and I could do to bridge across. Think about it like this. If there is an ant crawling on my carpet here, that ant is finite and I am finite. Now, no sane person would expect that ant to be able to properly comprehend a human person. The ant's not going to start corresponding with me. It can't communicate with me. It probably sees me as a very large and scary thing. It's probably going to try and get away so that I don't accidentally stop, stomp on it. But we wouldn't expect the ant to have any cognitive understanding of a human person. Now think about this for a moment. The distance between an ant and a person is actually less than the distance between a finite human being and an infinite God. And what that means is that for us to expect to be able to understand and comprehend God is a very bold idea. And it, it means that we can really only expect to know of God what God can show of himself to us. And this is why we have supernatural revelation. In our tradition, we say it's possible to believe in God through natural revelation, but also that God has revealed himself to humanity in the most fullest sense, in the person of Christ. Think about that. This God who's infinite becomes a human so that we can talk to God. We can understand God. We can listen to God. That is remarkable. I mean, it's, it's greater than me becoming a little ant so that I can communicate with that ant. This is the God of the universe who becomes human. We'll explore this uh, concept a little bit further in coming uh, podcasts. But what that tells us is that in the Catholic tradition, we can know God by natural revelation. And we're going to examine over the next few podcasts some of those philosophical reasons to believe in God that don't require faith, that don't require scripture. And then we're going to look at the uh, special revelation reasons, so ways in which God has revealed himself to humanity throughout history to bring us to the point of what we have today in the Catholic tradition, our understanding of God through his revelation to us. So, in conclusion today, the truth about truth. We discovered that truth is objective, but there's two kinds of truth. There's subjective truth and there's objective truth. The subjective question is, do you like this? The objective question is, what is this made out of? Uh, the subjective questions are personal and can change, but the objective questions are concrete and unchangeable. And so what this means when it relates to religion is that we're asking objective questions. And the question we've got to ask ourselves then is not, do I like it? Does it suit me? Does it feel good? But is it true? We looked at science and we found that by, by science's own definition, science cannot disprove God because science measures what's in the physical and natural world and God is beyond that. We found that science cannot help us understand mystery and that there's so much of the human experience that's beyond what science can tell us and what science can do to unpack that for us. We learned as well that if God is real, that he can be known, first of all, through natural revelation, but then secondary through supernatural revelation, which is the God of the universe who reveals himself to humanity so that we can understand something about God. So in closing, in this first session, I want to leave you with three challenges, three things that you can do. It's kind of the, the so what. You know, you've heard of these, this stuff about truth, about science, about God. So what? 
Well, three things. One, seek the truth, whether it's inconvenient or not. Seek the truth no matter where it leads you. Hunger to discover the truth and live a life according to that. Number two, call out those who think that God is disproved by science. Now, you don't have to do that with any sort of aggression or argumentation, but simply challenge it and say, well, science by its own limits cannot disprove God. If science could disprove God, the God you're talking about is not the God of the Catholic tradition. And you're talking about a very small God who can be reduced and, and uh, measured by scientific instruments. And thirdly, see God in every moment of wonder, beauty and mystery. You know, you might think, how do I even know that God is here? Well, if you've got children, look at your child sleeping. Just look at the wonder of this beautiful person who, when they're asleep, is just so cute. Look at the mountains or a beautiful landscape and just ponder the wonder of, of the life that God has given us. And it, let that be an indication to you that there is a God and this God has not forgotten us. So seek the truth, whether it's inconvenient or not. Call out those who think that science has uh, disproved God and find God in every moment of wonder and beauty and mystery. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, we'd love you to subscribe to our Catholic Christianity YouTube channel. Go onto Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Track us down there and follow us. Throw in your comments. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer, pop them in the comment box. We would love to hear from you. We look forward to seeing you again next week where we examine some of these natural revelation reasons why there is a God. Without using scripture, without using the Catholic tradition, what are the philosophical reasons why it's a reasonable thing to believe there is a God? We look forward to seeing you next week. Enough from me. May God bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.